0: We're going to be talking about transformational truth tonight, okay? Um, This one is exciting for me because uh, I love the Bible. And when I got saved, um, I mean, I read the Bible front and back, up and down, left and right, any which way you could. I had a highlighter. I didn't bring my original one, but um, I had a highlighter, and I highlighted stuff yellow, and then I went back through and highlighted it orange. And I took—I was a freshman in college when I got saved— I took scripture um, that I enjoyed and I started plastering it on everything. I put a scripture in my shower so that every morning when I'm washing my hair, I'm reading the word and I'm memorizing it. I put it on my TI-82 calculator. If anybody's old enough to remember those, iPhones can probably do what a TI-82, you know, like a TI-82 is like this big, you know. (laughs) And so, I mean, I put the Word everywhere. So I'm excited to, uh, to teach about this with you guys tonight. But before we do, let's, let's pray because everything that I have to say is, is really worth nothing unless the Lord can anoint it. So, Lord, um, I'm honored and I'm humbled to be able to share uh, this, really this value that we have, um, Lord, come up with through your Holy Spirit as a church. That we do value transformational truth. We value your Word And we value it to the point that, God, we want to lay ourselves out in front of it and say, let it change us, God. And that's my desire tonight is that as we study this, Lord, as we study this value, you would change our lives. Lord, we're here tonight not just because we want to see good friends or we want to hear good music or we want to encounter you in worship. Lord, we want to be changed. We want to be transformed. God, we want you to come into our lives in a greater way through your son. And so we open our hearts right now before you, God. And we say, Holy Spirit, come and take these words and, Lord, breathe on them and make them real to us. Lord, speak into our hearts that we could leave tonight a little bit different than when we came in. Lord, a little bit more looking like your son, Jesus. And so we thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, well, I'm gonna read for you our description off our website for Transformational Truth. We value teaching the word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit believing this to be the only thing to bring about true change in our lives. And like I said, you can find all of our seven shared values on our website. Uh, I want you to turn in your Bible to Hebrews 4.12. Um, this is going to be the verse that we're going to look at tonight. And all the scripture is going to be up on the, um, uh, the overhead. And I'll tell you this right now. Uh, I was talking to my wife on the way here, and we were just talking about what I was going to share. And um, I said, you know, it's, it's really hard to teach on the Bible, it's hard to teach on the Word without just like sharing tons and tons of Scripture, <laughs> you know? I mean, and so we're gonna go through a lot of Scripture, um, but when you come on Wednesday, there'll be a handout for you that'll recap a lot of this. And, um, and if anybody wants the slides or anything, you can feel free to email me, Nick, and I see at somatiler.org or contact any of us and we'll get them to you. But everything will be up on the, on the overhead, so you don't have to worry about flipping like crazy from verse to verse. So Hebrews 4.12, this is the New Living Translation. For the word of the Lord is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between the soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So when you, when you think about transformational truth, and when you think about what does it mean to value transformational truth, to value the word of God in a way that it transforms our lives, this is the first verse that came to my mind. It, I think succinctly describes everything that is wrapped up in our vision and our value for this, for the Word of God. So I'm going to give you three things tonight about about the Word of God. One, it's alive. One, the Word of God is alive. Out of Hebrews 4.12 is where we're coming from with this. Two, it's powerful. And three, it's piercing. And if you look at those first three letters, okay, I made a nice little alliteration for you. Something you can take home and, and put in the back of your mind. It spells app. All right, And everybody it knows what an app is because we live in an apple-fied world. So I think that the Bible, this is my corny preacher thing for y'all tonight, the Bible is life's best app, okay? Yeah. Woo! It's the best app. It's the best application for your life. But really it is. Amen? I mean, um, anyway, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> Let's just leave it at that. The Bible is alive, the Bible is powerful, and the Bible is piercing. And when we take those three things and we begin to apply them to our lives, that's when we begin begin to see the Word of God transforming us, okay? So let's look at the first one. The Word of God is alive. Like I said, we're going to go through a lot of Scripture here. Uh, John 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. So we all know here that John, the writer, is talking about Jesus and that Jesus is the word. So when we begin to talk about the word of God transforming us, we have to realize that Jesus is the word. The Bible says it clearly right here. And the word, Christ, gives life to everything that was created. And what I find interesting about people who don't believe in the Lord is that when you begin to study the Bible and you begin to learn about the Lord and about Christ, nothing would exist without him. He sustains everything. We wouldn't even be here right now if he wasn't spinning the world on his finger. I mean, at all. The very fact that we have the ability to try to believe in him or try to even talk about him is itself proof that he exists because we're here. And, we won't go into the psychological—you start to get yourself really weirded out. But if I'm not here and God's not—whoa, you know, like a Neo moment from uh, The Matrix or whatever. Nothing on this planet is alive apart from Christ. He's the sustainer of life, and it's through his word that we are sustained. Hebrews 1, 2. And now in these last days, God has spoken to us through his Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and through the Son he created the universe— so if Jesus gave life to everything that was created, and through God, through Christ, God created everything, and that if Jesus is the word, then we can look to him and we can know that his word will change us. Because he gives life to everything. He is life itself. So the word of God is alive. 2 Timothy 3, 16-17. All scripture is God-breathed or inspired And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now this really hits the point of why we're even studying this, because the vision of Soma Church is that we are urging people to choose the way, know the truth, and live the life of Jesus Christ. So if we want to do that, then we have to have the tools to be able to do that. And that's why we're going through all of this. That's what we're doing on Wednesday nights, is we're saying, let Lord equip us as a body to be able to urge people to Choose the way, know the truth, and live the life of Jesus Christ. So, Jesus, the Lord gave us his word, as it says here in 2 Timothy 3.16, so that we may be thoroughly equipped in every good work. And God's word is breathed by him. The Bible, from cover to cover, is God's word. He inspired it. It is all true, it is inerrant, and it is infallible. And a lot of people have a hard time believing that, but we believe the word because that's what it says about it. It says it's God breathe. Uh, Isaiah 55:10 uh, through11, "The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word, says the Lord. I send it out, and it will always produce fruit. It may accomplish all it will always accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everything I send it." Everywhere I send it. It will prosper everywhere I send it. So again, the Bible is alive. Why? Because God is sending out his word so that it brings back fruit to him. That's the point of it all. And what I love about this verse is that I think it's a a easy way that all of us can see change in our life. And this is something that I learned about, uh, I think about five years ago. The simple act of sending forth God's word in a very simple way. Reaching over to your spouse saying, I bless you. I say that God has a plan for your life, that he is going to fill you with joy, that he is going to prosper you. And I bless you. I speak life over you. And it is amazing to me how many people don't do that. How many people go through their day every day, and honestly, it's quite the opposite. You know, we get into this monotonous grind, and next thing we know, we're just arguing or bickering with one another. Why don't you do that? You know, you let me down, da 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 And it literally takes Five seconds to reach over to someone and say, Man, I just bless you in the name of Jesus. I just speak life over you. That's the word of God going forth. It's choosing scripture. It's, it's speaking life over people so that it produces fruit in them, so that they can see the kingdom of God come in their life. And so I wanna, if you're here today, if you're a husband or you're a wife, you have kids, uh, whatever, I wanna encourage you this week to just take random moments and, and just tell your kids, tell your spouse, tell your coworkers. Man, I just speak life over you. You know, the world speaks death over you. I speak life over you. I bless you. And I believe that releases something because it lines itself up with Isaiah 55. It's God's word being sent forth. That it's alive. It's going to produce a fruit in people. So um, I really want to encourage you to try that this week. Second of all, the word of God is powerful. Psalm 19, 7 through 8. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making, the wise, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. So what can refresh your soul? Quite simply, going to the Bahamas on a vacation? Probably, it's pretty expensive. The word of God can refresh your soul, and it's free. And it can happen right now if you want it to. This is the promises of God, right? We know that this is alive. His word is alive. It can go into our lives and it can change our lives. And all we have to do is, is, uh, is, is read his word, take part in his word. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. What can make you wise? Reading a bunch of books? Going to college, to get a PhD? Absolutely. But you know where truism is found? The word of God. The Word of God is where the true wisdom begins. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You know, I was, I was reading up on this, and it was interesting. We're going to talk about this verse uh, a little further down. But, you know, you go to, a um, little shout out for the Texas Longhorns. You go to the University of Texas, okay? Yeah, big win today. I, that's why I'm in such a great mood. Um, and you go and you see the, uh, the main building on campus at the mall, and it says, you shall know the truth, and the, new, the truth will sh- uh, set you free. Is what it says. And it's like plastered all over institutions of higher education. And especially ones that were, you know, started a long time ago. I'm sure that they, you know, were started with people who were a lot more believer now than, or Christians than they are now um, back then. But it's amazing to me because even they, repre- they know that the foundation of wisdom is the Bible back then. It's like, we're not gonna start this institution of higher education without acknowledging the fact that it's the truth of God that makes people wise. So if you need wisdom, go to the Word. What can bring joy to your heart? What can bring joy to your heart? The Word of God can bring joy to your heart. Reading the Word of God brings joy to your heart. Going out and doing fun things or whatever, like I said, going on vacation, that's exciting. Watching your favorite team win is exciting. But you know what? What brings lasting joy, the joy that gets you through scenarios and situations that are hard? The Word of God. This is all right out of Psalm 19. What can give light to your eyes? The Word of God. How many of you guys want to have a clear vision for your life? I mean, you want to wake up in the morning. I know everybody. I see your hands. <laughs> I see them in the Spirit. Everybody does. Okay? You all want to wake up in the morning and know. I mean, it wouldn't it be great to just wake up and say, man, I know everything that I need to do today. I have, an, I have a perfect plan for how it's going to work because God has revealed it to me. We all want that. We all want light for our eyes. We all want to know, which way do I turn? You know, the Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. If you want to know what the Lord wants to do in your life, where, you want, where the Lord is leading you, read his word. Don't go to Facebook and ask people, what should I do with my life? I mean, I'm, look, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm one of the guiltiest people of this, okay? This was a lesson that I had to learn when I was a young believer. Because I just learned to um, early on submit myself to wise counsel. And so whenever I had something where I didn't know what to do, the first thing I do is go over to so-and-so and say, you know, what do you think I should do? This is what's going on. And usually they would, you know, we'd sit down and we'd talk about it. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But I think what I should have been doing is initially saying, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do, Lord? I'm just going to sink myself into your word and see how you can speak to me. Before I went and did that. And it's amazing to me how often I don't do that. It's amazing to me how often I just... um, I go on and, and, you know, for me, it's, you know, going to excel. <laughs> this is nerdy, but it's going into excel and start punching out all the numbers, you know. Well, if, uh, if, if, if this much money comes in and if we send that much money out, then, all right, that's what I can do right there. Boom, that's it. And then, well, I better go pray about it now because I got the number. You know, everything's worked out here. It should be the opposite, right? I mean... But we live in a world where information is so accessible, where people are so accessible, that honestly, this is becoming less and less of a roadmap for people. Because people have so many other ways. And quite honestly, in America, we really have the way pretty well marked for us, don't we? I mean, you know, you graduate high school, you go to college, you get out of college, you work 40 hours a week for the man, you know, and, and then you save for a 401k at 65 years old, you retire, you buy an RV, you go to Arizona in the winter. It's a beautiful place, Yuma, Arizona. And then, you know, once you're done with that, you, your kids go to college, you visit your grandkids, and, you know, boom, American roadmap right there. And it's easy, just like, well, I guess I'll just fall into that, you know. When all the way along, the Lord is screaming, just read my word, I have a plan for you, says the Lord. I have a plan for you. Not your, not your spouse, not your mom, not your dad, not your brother, not your sister, not even you. I have a plan for, for you, says the Lord. Psalm one nineteen nine through 11. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So how can you stay Pure. The Word of God. If you need purity in your life from whatever it is, the Word of God is where you need to go if you want your way to be pure. It's it's not putting safe eyes on your computer. It's not uh, refraining from discussion. I'm not saying those things are wrong. But the first place you need to go is the Word of God. All those things are great. But what's really happening here is our hearts need a transformation. Not just our actions. And that's what we're valuing here. What can give you victory over sin in your life? The Word of God. The Word of God can give you victory over sin. When you're driving past, uh, uh, you know, uh, your favorite store, and, you know, you're just like, oh, I really want that pair of shoes. (laughs) Or, oh, man, I could really go for some of that brisket right now. You know you're over budget, okay? The Word of God can rein you in, all right? No, no, Lord, you know, I better not do that. And I know that's a pretty feeble example, but... You guys get, I don't have to spell it out. Everybody, I think, knows in their mind the things where when you're tempted, you know that reaching for a Bible verse on a note card that you have in your car or something that's tattooed somewhere in your vehicle or or in your shower on your TI-82 calculator can keep you from falling into sin. John 8, 31, 32, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Here's that verse we talked about. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The word of God is powerful enough that on its own, it can set you free. And we're going we're gonna to really look at why in this, in this next point, okay? And interesting aside, I think it's funny that these universities decide to leave out the first part of that verse, you know? If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. Yeah, I don't need to write that down. Just put the next one. It's so much better sounding. Anyway, John 17, 17. Make them holy. This is Jesus praying to the Lord on behalf of his disciples. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. How can you be made holy? By learning the word of God. Third, the word of God is piercing. The word of God is piercing. We go back to Hebrews 4.12. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Um, I, was, uh, I was looking into, you know, <clears throat> I am a disciple of Tony, so I, I go into the etymologies of all the words, you know, all the thesauricists and the dictionaries, and you just like got to look up this word, and then when you find out what that means, you look up that word. You know, if there's anything I've gleaned from Tony, it's how to look up a word. And spin it backwards and forwards. And it's amazing what you find, you know? And so when I was doing this, um, you know, most of the translations will say about this that um, it judges our innermost thoughts and desires. And uh, a lot of people will think, whoa, judgment, you know, that's, you know, uh, how does that use that there in the right way? Well, another word for that is it assesses, okay? The Word of God, more than anything else, better than anything else, can assess your position, it can take inventory of your innermost thoughts and desires. And you know what happens when you don't read the Word? Nobody's taking inventory. You're not taking inventory. Your friends aren't taking inventory. How many of you guys uh, work at a job where you get a review, whether it's you know, yearly, quarterly, or whatever? Has anybody, ever had, has anybody ever had to go through that? You go through a review, okay, in evaluation, right? And then that's an assessment of your job. And, you know, a lot of people don't like them. They get, you know, ooh, I don't know, I, maybe I'm not going to get my raise. I kind of like assessments because, you know, I work really hard. And uh, I think when I put my head down at the end of the day that I, that I do work really hard. But, you know, it's fun sometimes. So maybe fun's not the right word. But it's um, rewarding sometimes when somebody sits down and says, you're not doing as good a job as you think you are. And it's like, well, I thought I was doing a really good job. Well, you know what truth is, you're really not. And nobody wants to hear that, but you know what? At the end of the day, we all want to get better at what we do, don't we? We all want people to assess our position. And sometimes we need to do that. That's what the Word does to us every time we read it. It assesses us. It says, you know what? Yesterday, when you were in the kitchen and you were having that conversation with your spouse, you got a little out of line. You were supposed to love her. You're supposed to encourage her. You're supposed to encourage him. Da-da-da-da-da. And you didn't. And it's like oof, convicted. Just got assessed by the Word of God. So it's like a taking of inventory. So um, I want—I looked at you know Hebrews four twelve, and I, and what this is is it's a kind of a culmination of of what the writer of Hebrews was talking about in the third chapter. So we're going to go back to chapter to three and really see. Why was Hebrews four twelve written? Okay, why did he go off into the writer go into this um, short little two sentence exposition on what the word of God is? Okay, Hebrews three twelve says, "Make sure that your hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God." Make sure that your hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. And uh, we're going to see in a minute what how that ties into what we're studying right here out of Hebrews four twelve. <clears throat> so at, at at the core, okay. Any time that you sin, it's because you're deceived. All right? Sin is deception. It's essentially the devil coming to you and saying, God is not good enough. Here, have this. Take part in this instead. Or God didn't really. I mean, wasn't that what the the serpent said? Did God really say that? Did he really say that? A deception. So at the end of the day, the only reason anybody typically sins is because on some level, they've been deceived. Their hearts are evil or unbelieving, and they're turning away from the living God. God is over here, and you're veering this way, away from him, as you choose to believe these unbeliefs, as you choose to be deceptive, okay? The start, they start believing the lies of sin instead of the promises of God. That's what deception is. When you get deceived, you start to buy into a, thinking, a, a way of thinking that is not the way of thinking of God. It's not the way of the promises of God. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is warning them about right here, the the audience. The word of God is living and active and it penetrates to the bottom of our lives and rips the pleasant mask off the ugly face of sin. That's a quote I read. It rips the pleasant mask off the ugly face of sin. See, the devil wants to sort of like lure you in real slow, you know. Get you to believe this little tiny thing, you know. The devil doesn't come along one day, knock on your door when you're happy and say, you should go cheat on your spouse. Because, I mean, you'd shut the door on him, you know. But the devil will do is come along and say, you know what? Boy, you're just really not getting respected around the house anymore, are you? Man, your husband just isn't even noticing you anymore. And the next thing you know, you're on the road to deception. And that's where he wants you to believe be. And then you don't even notice it because he makes it pleasant. He makes it all appealing. He makes the temptation seem kind of fun, you know. He makes it seem like, oh, this is, you know, this isn't so bad. I can handle this. I got it. And this is what the Word does. It comes in and basically says, that is a lie, I'm ripping the mask off and I'm going to expose this. That's why we need the Word of God. Sin whispers through the desires of the flesh and the rationalizations of the mind that your only hope of future or future happiness is to take charge of your own life. That's sin. That's sin because the devil wants us to take charge of our lives because he knows we're going to destroy ourselves because we have no idea what we're doing. You know, if you think you know what you're doing, have a kid. You have no idea what you're doing. (laughs) No idea. I remember when we had Naomi and uh, the midwives, Jerry, was there and and our friends left. And Naomi's sleeping and we're like, what do we do? You know, (laughs) like, oh no, (laughs) it's our responsibility now. What do we do? So if you think you know what you're doing, (laughs) have a kid. (laughs) Sin whispers that you will not have a chance in the future if you actually trust God with your money and time. It says that fudging a few numbers here or there doesn't really hurt anyone. Every one of these statements is a lie. All these things that sin gets us to buy into, they're lies. And we can't tell that they're lies unless there's something to put it up against. Unless there's a sword that comes in and starts to divide it and say, "Uh, you know what, that's a lie. This is truth. I'm going to cut through. And it's amazing to me how many of us have this stuff going on inside. I do right now. I know every person in here is working through some kind of insecurity, some kind of struggle. You are not human if you're here and you say you aren't. And so this is why we all need this. This isn't just something where it's like, oh, the new believer, the new believer really needs to hear this. I'm a seasoned one. I went through, you know, uh, Bible college. I've heard all this. No, every day we need this because it's the devil's desire to go out like a prowling lion and rip us apart and feed us lies all day long. Feeding us lies. Sometimes these lies lodge themselves very deep in the heart as thoughts and intentions that seem unshakably true because of the hardness of deception that encloses them like a dark sealed casket. How many of you, uh, you don't have to raise your hand, but I know that there's people in this room that have felt like that before. You have this dark sealed casket in your heart and it's like, man, I know it's there, but I, I have no idea how that thing's gonna get opened and I don't wanna open it because the bats are gonna fly all over the place when that thing gets opened up. And it is going to be messy. And I'm going to have to pay for some things. I might have to step out of my position in my such and such job or at the church or in my uh, you know, volunteer activity. We all have these things because we're human. And we've gone through lives without perfect people leading us along. Whether that's your parents or people that you work with or people that you trust. In that condition of having this deception that encloses you like a dark seal casket, unbelief has the upper hand. We are not believing in the promises of God. We are trusting in the promises of sin and we don't even realize it. And we are in mortal danger of becoming so hardened that repentance will become impossible and eternity itself will have been thrown away for the sake of a few fleeting pleasures. I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen with people who I went to Bible college with who raised their hands higher than me. They jumped higher than me. They knew the word better than me. And you know what? Now... They're literally not even on, on course to go to heaven when they die. They, they have just sold themselves into the lies of the enemy for the fleeting temptation, the fleeting pleasures of this world. And it, is, it grieves me to think about that. That they're just selling themselves so short when they used to be so on fire for the things of the Lord. They used to be so on fire for the things that were leading them on an eternal path. But like I said, it didn't just happen overnight. Someone didn't just come along one night and say, cheat on your wife. It doesn't happen like that, does it? All the more reason why we need the Word to transform us so that we are building a structure around our hearts that is the Word of God protecting us. Now, um, let me, um, how many of you believe that this is my Bible? Well, how many of you believe this is a Bible? Because some of you might think you might have stole that from someone. I don't know. Okay, how many of you believe this is a Bible? All right, I'll show you right here. See, look at that. It's a Bible, okay? It says right here, Holy Bible, all right? So we all believe this is the Bible, right? Okay, so, since you believe this is a Bible, you just agreed with me that this is my Bible. I say, this is my Bible, and you say, that's your Bible. So, we're in agreement, right? We're in agreement that this is my Bible. Okay? What's interesting to me, and I think this happens to us a lot, we don't understand that we're making agreements with the devil when we believe the things he tells us. Literally. How many of you, um, <clears throat> how many of you have an Apple computer? Okay, how many of you have iTunes on your computer? Probably everyone. Okay, I just uploaded my iTunes to 11.1.5.7.3. Whatever, okay? Every time you update your iTunes, this box comes up that says terms and conditions, and there's a little one on the, on the bottom that says agree, or I don't even remember what the other one says. One says cancel, and one says, I guess, disagree. I mean, who is going to read through all of that? You know what I'm saying? Like, you can go, ch still scrolling, still scrolling. I, don't, I have no idea what that stuff says. I just hit agree and move on. And for all I know, I just sold off my daughter to Apple. <laughs> you know? I mean, really, they, I think maybe one day Apple's just going to come calling to all of us and say, uh, yeah, you signed right here, and we get your house, your car, and your third child. Sorry. <laughs> but this is a picture of what happens, I think, with the enemy. Going along, we're busy, things are happening. Boom, he hits you with a lie. Uh, okay, yeah, I believe that. Man, you're so insecure. Oh, I know. Oh, you're never gonna get out of this job. Oh, I know. Man, why does your child not listen to you? You're a bad parent. Oh I know. And you just go along. You know what you just did? You hit enter, you hit okay. To pages of things that comes along with that. Pages of things. It's not just something little, and that's what he how he gets us. It's a little petty agreement, you know, just Sign right here. No problem. Hey, don't read the fine print. I'm taking care of you. You're having fun, aren't you? Just sign the thing. You know? No big deal. Next thing you know, we are in agreement with the devil. We are not in agreement with God. We are not in agreement with the Word of God. We're in agreement with the devil. We just signed a contract with him. That scares me. And we need to take seriously the things that happen on a daily basis. Well, how do we how do we how do we get away from that? How do we not sign contracts with the devil? We have to know the word of God. Making a lot of small and noticeable agreements with the devil over time is what you're doing when you believe what he says about you, when you believe what he says about God, and not what God says about you, and not what God says about God, or other people, or whatever, however you want to apply the application. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay, and it will cost you more than you want to pay. I want to tell you tonight if there's something in your life and you are struggling with a temptation, or you are struggling with some sort of thing that doesn't line up with believing God's word, this is the reality. That's the devil. He's luring you in to take you further than you want to go. He's going to keep you there a lot longer than you want to stay, and it is going to cost you way more then he's telling you it is. That's all the more reason why we need to take seriously our study of the word, our understanding of the word, our, our application of the word of God. The only way that these agreements that we make with the enemy and these deceptive beliefs can be broken is by submission to the truth, by submitting to the word of God. By getting counsel from other people through the word though, this is what does it. This little book right here can change your life. It changed mine. It's changed a lot of people's lives in this room, but it can change you deep. I mean, way, way, way down, where there is no light shining. All you have to do is choose to agree with God and not with the enemy. And I think there are some of us in this room, we might not even know some of the agreements that we make. You know, and that's true. Um, Sometimes we're just living life. Like I said, we're going along. And Next thing you know, you're in a knockdown, drag-out argument with somebody at work. You're in a knockdown, drag-down argument with your spouse. You can't even reconcile because the devil has lured you in. He's kept you longer than you wanted to be there, and you made this agreement with him. And this goes a lo- a, lo- a long way, you guys. There, there are really uh, simple examples for this. By just telling, you know, uh, somebody, man, you're not good at that. Uh, you screwed up again? we have all heard these things. We've all heard different things that uh, have caused us to buy into these agreements where we, next thing you know, we're just bound up in all this. Well, how do we get out of it? <clears throat> Romans 12.12 12 says, 12.2, uh, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The uh, worship team, you guys can come up if you want to. Um, we have to believe that the Word of God can transform us. We ha- if, 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 we, if the Word can't transform us, then what can? You know, self-help seminars? No. <laughs> Oprah? No. <laughs> okay? <laughs> the only thing that will transform your life is this book and Christ in it, because He is this book. And I'm preaching to myself because I don't read the Bible enough. I don't. I don't uh, zealously appreciate it as much as I used to. And I know that there's places in my life where that has crept up on me. And I thought, you know, I kind of got this now. You know, I've read the whole Bible a couple times cover to cover. I have a pretty good understanding of it. You know what's happening? I'm not letting the sword of truth go deep into my heart and pierce me to reveal the things that I don't even see. And all of us have them. We're human. They're there. We're on a battlefield. The enemy is vying for our souls, and so is the Lord. Thankfully, He wins if we submit to Him. But that's what it takes. You have to submit to Him. You have to submit to the Word of God so that your life can be transformed. That's the kind of way that we value teaching the Word of God. Not just preaching a nice sermon with three nice points that spells out a really cool thing to remember. (laughs) but literally something that will change your life. We want to see your lives changed. We know that it happens by studying this book and by teaching you this book in a way that your life will change, that you will go from glory to glory, as the Bible says. So, as you know, we've been um, committed to having prayer teams, and um, we want to take time to pray for you guys. We want you to take advantage of uh, being prayed for. And... Uh, we're going to have the altar ministry teams come up here. And if there is anything in your life that you need prayer for, that's what the altar's for. That's what this is for. It's to come up and kind of like we did with J.D. and Christy last week or a couple of weeks ago, we just read the Word over them. And it's amazing how much the, uh, the Spirit of the Lord comes in and sets freedom into a place just by reading the Word of God. Not even like saying, you know, I feel this or that, but just by speaking it over you. And so if you need that in your life, I want to encourage you tonight to come up here. If you feel like there's an agreement that's been made in your life in the past with the enemy, I want you to come up here. And and not under any obligation, except for the fact that we as a church, as members of your body, brothers and sisters, want to see you set free. We want to see you delivered. We want to see you uh, not in agreement with those things anymore. We want to see the the word of God take a hold in your life to set you free so that you can live the life worthy of the calling. So I'll invite the altar team, the ministry teams to come on up. And just want to encourage you tonight. We're just going to take 10 minutes and then we'll be dismissed.